I think as a community over the years, there have been a number of concerns expressed by um, by the population as we've seen CCTV camera systems roll out across the country. And it does feel that pretty much everywhere now you go in public life, you're under some surveillance. Um, what I think is the additional concern, though, with these new systems is that they're now adding in higher resolution cameras and then pairing that with face recognition software. And what that means then is you sort of move from being in a way just part of a general population that's under surveillance to now being individually identified in a way that you weren't always uh, when you walked in front of a CCTV camera. These cameras now can identify you. They can match you against pre-existing databases, such as the ones that might use the photos from your passports or your driver's license or your, fishing, or your boat license. Um, in order to identify you in real time. And what that really does, I think, is it strips away an element of privacy, which is obscurity. The fact that we should have some protection and privacy in the crowds when we go about our day-to-day -day lives. Certainly. And I guess there's also this other element of the fact that these, the city of Perth, at least here, is rolling out these cameras with very little public consultation. In fact, many people mm. probably only first heard about this when they read it in their, uh, in their, you know, the state paper or uh, saw it on the media. Well, has there been any consultation at all, as far as you're aware? Or, you know, is, is there any sort of mechanisms for people to at least comment on, on this particular uh, new technology? Look, there certainly should be. And, um, I mean, as a community-based system designed, in theory, to serve the community, um, we would hope that there has been some consultation. But what we've often seen in the past is that these systems are um, be dreamt up by local councils or local police forces. Uh, there's usually some money that might be made available by the state or federal governments under their sort of fighting crime budgets that they sort of can dole out grants. But there's not necessarily then a requirement, I think, for those grant applications to be accompanied by evidence that there's been community consultation. And of course, as we know, with these types of systems, it might not always be advertised as, oh, we're upgrading our camera systems to now be able to recognize people's faces, facial recognition. It's often said, oh, we're enhancing our um, camera system in order to improve the security of um, residents or in order to assist police um, bust crime or track missing people. Very rarely, I think, do we see in the proposals the honesty that what we're looking here is facial recognition software. Um, because then as well, you have another question. Well, okay, so is it just facial recognition software? Because we've seen developments overseas and we've seen commercial rollouts of um, facial recognition software that goes that extra level and can even make assumptions about your state of mind, your emotional state. And we've seen that in shopping centers to see if shoppers are engaged with products. Um, and we've seen it now being tested in a number of airports overseas to see if people are acting suspiciously and warrant intervention or further questioning by police. So facial recognition is more sometimes than just recognising that that person in the crowd is uh, you know, Joe Bloggs. It might be, actually, that's someone who's exhibiting particular characteristics and we should actually send some police and intercept them and start questioning them. So it actually can be far more intrusive as well than what people think when they hear facial recognition. 
Certainly. And this is uh, still relatively new technology. Of course, there are countries that have been using it for some time. And uh, many of our listeners would probably be thinking about uh, some of the the facial recognition software that's utilized in places like China. But it's still relatively new technology. And I guess one of the other concerns beyond just the the intrusive uh, nature of it and the potential infringements or civil liberties is just the potential for it to uh, I guess to make mistakes. Uh, have there been any examples that you're aware of of you know facial recognition getting it wrong, or is there is that one of the concerns of the uh, CLA in terms of you know this technology, you know not perhaps being uh, as accurate as we might think? Yeah, well, look, um, no specific instances, but generally there are um, there's certainly research out there that shows that the algorithm algorithms that are used to power facial recognition software. Um, even the things that you might have built into your smartphone in order to unlock it, um, often struggle to recognize or differentiate women and people of color. Now, in WA, of course, that means that there's a potential for um, misidentification of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who are already more overly represented in um, the criminal justice system. So there is that concern that these systems aren't perfect, um, and if they're being used on the basis of identifying suspects or people of interest, then they may not be sufficiently accurate to recognise that that person is the person that the police might be looking for. So we certainly have concerns there that these technologies are assumed to be accurate, but certainly for um, particular groups, their accuracy is actually quite poor. Now, Tim, it wouldn't be, I guess, at all controversial to say that we're really living in an era of uh, mass surveillance. I mean, even here in WA, I was reading the other day that the West Australian police are piloting a cloud-based artificial intelligence platform that will sift mm-hmm. through uh, large quantities of uh, digital evidence. And of course, that will most likely include sifting through uh, social media platforms and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, all in all, it seems as though it, quite quickly we've sort of reached a, an era and in which all of our lives, at least our lives, are not just uh, online, but now in, in public spaces where we might be monitored by these cameras are being monitored. And I, I think, you know, there, there's this bigger question of the, the deeper sort of psychological effects that might have on, on civil society. Do, do you think yeah. that, you know, that this is this sort of uh, mass surveillance is having uh, an impact on our psychology and, and on, an, on the way in which we socialise with uh, one another? I certainly think it, it will. And I mean, the way that which uh, police forces and intelligence services have started to use social media in order to gather intelligence on people, um, I think has in a way influenced now how people approach those social media platforms. Perhaps in the early days, people were naive um, and optimistic about the potential for these, these platforms. But we've seen really that, um, you know, on one hand, the government often says, oh, well, people use Facebook, so they don't really care about privacy. But then people go onto their platforms or they, and they um, turn up their privacy settings. They use the tools that are available. And then the government turns around and says, oh, people are now encrypting their communications. We're going to have to pass new laws to crack it. So, um, you know, they sort of want to have it both ways. They want to argue that people don't care about privacy. But then when people do start to show that they care about privacy, suddenly it becomes a national security issue. And I think that that is reflective of the culture that we've kind of now allowed to develop in Australia since 9-11. We've had over 60 pieces of anti-terrorism laws passed at a national level that have, you know, really changed some of the fundamental legal principles of our country. And I think people are starting to become aware of that and uneasy 
about how it's happening. Um, so hopefully people will start to start to raise their voices, demand some genuine consultation. These systems are designed to help the community. So the community must have a role um, in their establishment. And just finally on that, as it reminded me, of course, most people will be still thinking about the uh, federal police raids of the ABC. And th- there's this sort of this big question, I guess, around uh, the monitoring of individuals mm-hmm. in terms of, especially if people work, for instance, in the public service or potentially may even find themselves uh, being whistleblowers. That doesn't necessarily uh, mean on the scale of uh, you know the Afghan files that were the center of the ABC case. But mm-hmm. there's this, uh, I guess, this issue that uh, people working you know, within any industry are now having their lives monitored and potentially you know, will face uh, some sort of prosecution as a result just because of you know, their actions potentially as whistleblowers or maybe just their actions as uh, you know, trying to expose something in their own workplace that they feel is unjust. Is, is that a concern and do you, do you see the two issues uh, you know, somewhat tied together? Oh, absolutely. And it certainly, it certainly is a concern that these types of um, systems really then shut down a lot of the public space um, for individuals. And they might, you know, it could be whistleblowers. It could also be people who want to go and protest, engage in lawful protest, will now have their faces scanned and identifiable. And I think one of the, I think just a revealing um, statement that was made, I think, in response to this story in WA was um, it was almost offered as sort of a, oh, well, don't worry, because even though there are 30 cameras that have this capability, only about three of them at any one time will be actually actively doing facial recognition. Uh, We won't tell you which ones they are, and the technology and that capability can shift between all the cameras. Now, if that was to make someone feel at ease, I don't think it does, because that's actually the classic, classic case of what was called the panopticon, which was this amazing conceptual idea of a prison where the prisoners um, could see the guard tower but couldn't see if the guard was looking at them at any one time, but they knew there was a possibility that they were under surveillance. And so even with much fewer resources, you're able to maintain control. Now, I'm not suggesting that this is a panopticon system, but just the fact that people would suggest that, oh, well, you won't know which cameras are doing facial recognition, therefore you have nothing to worry about, I think actually gets it around the wrong way. Um, it actually shows that you don't know now when you see a camera, has my name been picked out of a database? Is there being some um, software run that's detecting what my mood, what my intentions might be according to this cloud-based system? Um, And what if they get it wrong? What if I've been mismatched with someone? Will the police come and intercept me in a couple of minutes? So it is concerning. 